Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. FHA loans are a really popular topic. Unfortunately, there are a lot of myths and misconceptions out there. People either think that FHA is the greatest loan, the only loan they qualify for, or they have really strong feelings of why FHA loans are terrible. Today, we are going to go through the top 10 myths and misconceptions about FHA loans so you can know the true and accurate pros and cons of the program and determine really if it's best for you. This is The Educated Homebuyer with Jeb Smith and Josh Lewis. Surprisingly, Josh, a lot of people get it wrong. And that's because so many people have a voice out there on the internet, on podcasts like this, on Instagram, on different socials. And they just talk crap about something that they don't truly know the full benefits of. And a lot of people look at it and say, hey, listen, you shouldn't be buying a house if you only have three and a half percent down or if you have these low credit scores anyway. Therefore, it's just a crappy program. But there's people that are in that position that can still afford a home. They've just had some things happen. And so what we want to do today is really dive into these misconceptions, help you understand them. And Josh can lead you in the right direction with this, but ultimately use it as a tool of comparison if you're thinking about FHA, you're thinking about conventional, this will give you an opportunity to be able to compare it against whatever the other option is and know that you're making the right decision. Jeb, let's jump into number one, because I get this all the time. The The first myth is that FHA loans are only for first-time homebuyers. Because they are primarily used by first-time homebuyers, a lot of people will reach out and say, well, you know, credit score is only 650. We had to get that up because we have to go conventional because we can't go FHA. We're not first time buyers. We owned a home five years ago. So there's a couple things buried inside of that is that for most programs that do have a requirement of being a first time home buyer, the way they measure that is, did you take the mortgage interest deduction anytime in the last three years? So even if FHA required it, someone that owned five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you are a first-time home buyer. But the more important thing here is FHA does not have a first-time buyer requirement. It's not one of the criteria that they look at in determining if you are eligible. So that is not a problem. Where I think some of this comes into play, Jeb, we do have the FHA 100-mile rule. So if you own a home and you want to buy another one, it can be difficult to use FHA financing if it's within 100 miles of that property because we can't use rent from the departing residents. You can use FHA financing, but you can't use rents from the departing residents. You also have another requirement that I think kind of leaks into this myth, Jeb, is that with very few exceptions, you cannot have two concurrent FHA loans. If you're moving a large distance, that's one of the exceptions. If you're moving for employment, another one of those exceptions. But for the most part, if I own in Huntington Beach with an FHA loan, I can't go buy a house in Anaheim with an FHA. And, and I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I, I think most people think it's a first time home buyer program because it's labeled as that with a lot of different lenders out there. And the reason for that is because it does allow a minimal down payment and it does allow lower credit scores. And therefore it's just labeled as, Hey, listen, if you're a home buyer and you don't have this large chunk of money and, or you don't have perfect credit, this is an opportunity for you to get a home. This is the program for you. 
And therefore people just say, well, I'm a first time home buyer. They must be talking about me. And that's simply not the case. So if you're looking at buying a home in 2024, or whenever you're listening to this, just understand if you're putting less than 10, maybe even 20% down, it's worth considering an FHA loan. And we're going to talk more about it so that you fully understand it here in today's episode. One of the next big ones, Jeb, we hear this all the time. I don't want an FHA loan that has a higher interest rate. And that's sort of a holdover from pre-meltdown in 2008. Prior to that point in time, FHA loans, because they are more flexible on credit, they are more flexible on debt to income ratio, they do have higher default rates. So over time, investors said, we want a premium for the likelihood that these are going to default at a little bit higher rate than conventional loans. Well, once the meltdown hit, they realized, they being investors in mortgage-backed securities, said, hold on, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac loans have an implied government guarantee, but FHA loans, VA loans, USDA loans actually are guaranteed by the U.S. government. And at that time, they started paying a premium for those, realizing that there is almost no risk to the investor. The only risk is that the U.S. government somehow defaults on its debts, which so far in 250 years, we haven't had that problem. At the pace we, that we're we, going, we're it might be for, You know, I don't know what the future holds at this rate. We're $34 trillion in, so... But put, to put that in context, Jeb, there's a couple of, of elements also that, that layer into this. In general, we do every week at the beginning of the live show, we kind of give average interest rates, optimal blue mortgage market index, also look at mortgage news daily. And both of those generally show FHA loans at about quarter to three eighths lower than conventional rates in the real world. This is an area where I don't like to get into this battle of people saying brokers are better. You have to go with the broker. Don't go with the direct lender. But if you're looking at any type of government loan, FHA, VA, USDA, at least check with a broker. Because when I look at my rate sheets, we are at least three quarters of a percent better every day right now in the current market on FHA. That's been as high as 1%. It's been as low as a half percent. But any way you cut it, it is significantly lower on an FHA loan, no matter who you're getting your loan with. Yeah, and I think not that you're being shy away from saying it, but FHA loans, aside from VA, typically have the best interest rates out there in the market. Now, there is mortgage insurance and some other things that 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 need to be added onto that. But even when you factor in that monthly mortgage insurance, a lot of times, depending on how much you're putting down, your credit scores, all of that, you're going to probably end up, which we'll talk about in today's episode, with a better rate, an effective rate with FHA than you are with conventional. So it's worth considering at least having it on paper and saying, I know the numbers, I checked with my broker and I understand it, it's just not for me, or I had no idea and maybe I should consider this loan because of the benefits and the things that I didn't understand. So Josh, another thing that comes up, and this one comes up probably more often than any of them, is because FHA has and or allows uh, a credit score as low as 580 with a 3.5% down payment, that sets the precedent with a lot of borrowers out there that, hey, I have 3.5% down, I have that 580 credit score, therefore... I can do an FHA loan. This one absolutely falls under misconception, right? It's not a myth. If we look at the guideline, the guideline says 580 as credit score as low as 580 with a 3.5% down payment. You can actually go lower. You can go under 580, but at that point, you have to have a 10% down payment. But some pretty important distinctions happen there. 
at a 585, 590, even a 600 credit score with three and a half percent down, very unlikely that you will get an automated approval. If you have some other compensating factors, if you had $100,000 sitting in the bank, in which case you probably wouldn't have a 590 FICO or be doing a three and a half percent down. But if you had that, that's a compensating factor that might get you an automated approval. If you make a ton of money and your debt to income ratio is really low and you have some reserves, those things could possibly get you an automated approval. But Jeb, what I can tell you, the last 580 something credit score that I saw with an automated approval was a refinance with a 30% loan to value. They were borrowing $200,000 against like a $650,000 home. And we got that automated approval and automated approval is important. It doesn't mean you're dead in the water. So 585, I meet the guideline, but I don't get the automated approval. Well, you start looking at a manual underwrite. A manual underwrite will have limited debt to income relative to an automated underwrite. It will require compensating factors. It's going to have a much higher interest rate. So again, we're talking about people who are entering the market with limited resources. So when we pump up the interest rate and require a lower debt to income ratio than we have on another loan, sometimes significantly lower, it, it can make a big difference to the point of, hey, if you had a 640 credit score and we got the automated approval, you would qualify for what you want. And with the 585, we can qualify you, but you're $150,000 shy of homes in your area. Absolutely. And another one that comes up often, Josh, is it, we probably should have paired this with the first one that we talked about is that FHA loans are only for those borrowers with low incomes and or even lower credit scores because the guidelines in a lot of us, I mean, I'm guilty of this as well in marketing FHA loans on my YouTube channel is like we set the bare minimum as the thumbnail, right? 580 credit score, three and a half percent down. And, and so we talked about how if you have the 580 and the 3.5% down, there are other things you need to meet in order to get FHA to approve you for that loan. But when somebody says, oh, they'll do a 3.5% down with a 580, I've got a 780 and I can put 5% down. Therefore, FHA is not for me. No, it is still a loan that you should absolutely consider. If your credit scores are in the high 700s and you've got a little bit more money to put down, then maybe FHA is not the right loan. But if your credit score is 679, maybe if it's even 680 and you're putting a minimal down payment, I'll be honest, it's going to be very tough to beat FHA on a side-by-side -side comparison because the interest rate is going to be significantly lower. The mortgage insurance is going to be significantly lower and therefore probably going to put you in a better position, Josh. But what are your thoughts on it? We probably want to do an entire episode on conventional versus FHA, those myths and misconceptions, because both of them have their time and their place and their benefit. And you should be working with someone if you're doing 10% down or less, even if at 10% down, you may say, hey, I would never do an FHA loan. I still want my clients to see the side by side comparison so that they don't just think they don't want to do FHA. They know for a fact they don't want to do FHA because sometimes they'll look at it and they go, wait, that does look like it's better for me, even though they strongly felt otherwise. So I think, Jeb, where we started with that, the, the misconception being, are we there at number five? FHA loans are only for low income buyers because we have that a belief a lot of times that there's some type of, of income limit. Hey, I make too much money to do FHA. And some of that in certain parts of the country bleeds over from USDA loans. USDA loans do have an income limit, but FHA, 
really were the parameters that we're talking about. You have to put three and a half percent down. Uh, you have for three and a half percent, and you have to put, have a 580 FICO, but there's no income limit. You can make a million dollars a year and you are not restricted from using FHA financing if that is the option that is best for you. And believe it or not, I will have people come through that are putting 10% down. They make $350,000 in like, oh, I need a conventional loan. I make a lot of money. And like with your credit score, even though you're putting 10% down, let's look at these side by side and they'll look at it and go, you're right. FHA is the better option. I didn't think it was an option for us. I thought we made too much money to do an FHA loan. And it just gets a bad rap. People are like, I just don't want an FHA loan. Why? I don't know. I, I just don't think it's for me. Well, what if I show you the payment is significantly better than conventional loan? Does it make sense now? I mean, that's the conversation your lender should be having. And Josh, I can't speak for you because I don't do loans these days, but your lender shouldn't be saying, hey, this is the loan program that you have to do or that you should do. It's, hey, these are your options. And this is the pros and the cons of each of them. And ultimately the ball's in your court. Like you're making the decision on which is right for you. I might give you some recommendations as a lender and saying, hey, listen, this might be better because you know, you can put three and a half percent down. You can take that extra money that you were going to put down on conventional and pay off some debt over here and put yourself in a better position or whatever the story is. But it is about guidance. It's not about being this person, this dictator saying this is your only option. Now, if you're hearing that and you're in the process and you want to get pre-approved or a comparison with someone else to see where you stand, there's a link in the description of this video that'll get you in touch with either Josh or somebody that does business like him anywhere in the United States. So use it as a resource. It's free and it'll put you at least mentally in a, in a space that you're getting the best deal or at least understanding all your options. So with that, Josh, let's transition to the next one, which are loan amounts, right? So there's a limit. You can't go over a certain loan amount, therefore it's not for me, or that they only do smaller loan amounts. So it can kind of be on both sides of the equation here. Yeah, FHA is a little bit tricky, Jeb, in that it's the only one that doesn't have a, a nationwide number. If you're asking, hey, I want to do a conventional loan, what's my limit? You're either at the 766.550, which is everywhere, or if you're in a high balance market, most of them max at the, the top of the high balance, which is a million one forty nine eight twenty five. There are a few markets there that uh, are in that in-between area that can fall in that in-between space. But with FHA, they're all over the place. We have a minimum, so it would never be lower than 498,257. But on the high end, where we are here, Orange County, LA County, it goes all the way up to a million one forty nine eight twenty five, just like Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So at those loan amounts, you'd be like, well, that person probably has an 800 credit score and they're probably putting 10, 15, 20% down. Why would they use FHA? We have a big, big reason. If you're in a high balance market like Southern California, like where, where are some of the other areas, Jeb? It's spread. We've got a little bit in Utah. We've got a little tiny market in Wyoming. You got a little Washington, bit in Ten Tennessee, parts of Washington. Exactly. So if you're in one of those areas, why might you want to get a million dollar FHA loan? Well, in a high balance market where we are above the Fannie Freddie standard balance limits, if you're doing less than, I think it's 25, 35% down, you are going to pay up to a one point hit for doing a high balance loan. The powers that be at the FHFA decided that rich people utilizing the Fannie Freddie program should subsidize non-rich people. So if you're in a market where entry-level homes are a million dollars, you probably look around and go, hey, I'm not rich. Why am I getting hit no, with you're that? Rich. <laughs> According I'm to the government, you, you are. are rich. So when we look at that, 
When we already said that rates are three quarters of a percent lower on average on an FHA today than a conventional loan, add another point to that. And now you're probably, you are at least a quarter, but adding another quarter to a half percent on that. So you can see a full percent difference. So we do have a lot of borrowers are doing five, 10% down at a million, million one. When we do that side by side, they go, boy, I never even thought FHA was the loan for me. But on a monthly basis, both on cash to close and on a monthly basis, it is going to be much, much cheaper. Doesn't mean there's no downsides to it, but uh, it will almost always on the high balance for most borrowers with less than you know 10% down or less, it's going to have a significantly lower monthly payment. Good stuff. Now, before we dive into the next one, I want to take a minute and ask a favor. If you find any value in the content that we do here, if you're on Spotify or Apple, you can rate us and review us. That helps boost the algorithm. And the same thing here on YouTube. If you like the content, hit the thumbs up, feel free to subscribe to the channel to stay updated on everything real estate related in a podcast format, we would be very, very grateful. So Josh, the next thing that often comes up is the idea that FHA appraisals are too stringent, that they're way more strict than that of a conventional loan. Therefore, it's just not going to work. And I'll add one of our other ones on to the same topic. And that's that FHA loans are just, they take too long. They're just tougher to get approved for that there's just this whole thing behind it that just with just the big misconception about FHA. So maybe explain that. So let's start with the easy part of that. That FHA loans take longer or more difficult, harder processing. Complete misconception in that people think that the FHA makes the approval. Nearly every lender that's doing FHA loans is delegated, meaning they have a direct endorsement FHA underwriter. The process is identical to any other loan. Your originator takes the application, gathers all the documentation, the processor works and gets an appraisal, title work, all that stuff, presents it to the underwriter that approves the loan. So in those terms should be zero difference in terms of timeline for processing. Now, if we have an 800 borrower on a W-2 job that has a 20% down payment and reserves all sitting in one bank account, that's a very easy loan. If we have an FHA loan with two borrowers, they both have mid to high 600 credit scores. They both have bounced around among jobs. One of them works a bunch of overtime. We've got just enough money coming in and we've got a gift. That's obviously a more complex transaction, but it doesn't have anything to do with that being FHA. We have conventional loans that are complex just in that exact same way. So the, the second piece of that, Jeb, is that big, big misconception. And, and I would say it's primarily on the part of agents and the agents have spread this misinformation mm-hmm. to their buyers is that FHA appraisals are considerably tougher than uh, a conventional appraisal. And I'm going to start with what the actual fact of the matter is. And then I want to hear from your perspective why you think realtors say that and what it looks like to you in the real world when you have either FHA buyers or when you have a listing, when you have an FHA buyer buying that home. Mm -hmm. So what is required? What is the difference on an FHA versus a conventional? The only difference is the FHA appraiser is required to do a minimal property inspection. They're not doing a property inspection like your property inspector. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm doing FHA, there's a property inspection component to it, so I don't need a home inspection. What it means is they have to stick their head up in the attic. They have to make sure the stove and the heater and all of these things are functioning. So is there a little bit of an extra step there? Yes, there is. In real terms, they aren't doing anything different than the conventional appraiser. Oftentimes, these are the same people. It's not that FHA has one set of appraisers and conventional has another set. It's just the requirements for the report are different. But those appraisers are looking, whether it's conventional or FHA, 
for health and safety issues? Is this going to present a problem to you and your family when you get into that home? And it is very rare from my end that I have a condition called out on an FHL and they said, boy, if we could just go a, a conventional, we wouldn't have this problem. It's going to be there either way. And, and before you jump in, Jeb, what I'll say, what are the two most common things that we, we have there? One is chipping, peeling paint. Mm -hmm. And the other one would be, I get like patio covers, outbuildings, things of that sort that are just about ready to fall over. And the homeowner's like, I don't care. It doesn't impact my house. Mm -hmm. Then they go to try to sell. And we have a situation where the appraiser goes, that's a health and safety issue. So nine times out of 10, if they call out a repair, it's a fairly low cost to repair. Now, how does that play out in the real world with you representing people to buy and sell homes, Jeff. You know, Josh, out of all of the transactions I've done in the better part of 20 years, I can say that I've only had, I mean, a handful of times where there's been a condition for something to be fixed prior to closing because the appraiser brought it up on an FHA loan. So a lot of transactions, very few times has it ever been an issue. Now, got to understand a lot of those transactions weren't FHA, so it wasn't going to be an issue anyway. So you, you, the numbers are a bit skewed. But what I will say is we had one last year. You did the loan, in fact. Uh, borrower came from YouTube, and they were buying a home in Long Beach. And what, the one thing you said, peeling paint, it was a problem. We knew it was going to be a problem from the get-go because we knew it was an FHA loan. We knew walking to the property, hey, look, there's peeling paint everywhere. We're asking people to fix it or address it. And they didn't really do what they needed to do in order to make that happen. And therefore, it, it had to come back in, as part of a final appraisal of 442 to get that done. The other thing on that particular property was the trees in the backyard were growing into the power lines. That was also a problem for FHA. And therefore, the appraiser had a problem with it. Therefore, we wanted they wanted to get it addressed. So those are the typical things that show up. But here's what I will tell you. As an agent that lists properties for sale, actively list properties for sale. If I know, hey, listen, this property could get an FHA offer. Well, these are things that we're talking about upfront with the seller saying, hey, listen, there's a chance we get an FHA offer here. These things are going to be a problem. We need to get this addressed. And therefore, they don't want to address it or whatever. And we get an FHA offer, then we've got to discuss it at that time. We're never, at least in my opinion, accepting an offer for an FHA loan of things that I know are going to be a problem without knowing that we're going to address them up front. And I think most good agents think like that, but there's also those out there that just don't know. So if you have a question about some of the stuff and you're going through the process, ask your agent. If you're walking to a property, you know you're going to do an FHA loan, simply ask the question like, is this going to be an, a problem with FHA? And maybe they don't know the answer. But they should say at least, hey, let me ask and get back to you. Let me call the lender and ask that question. They can take a picture of it, send it in and ask the question. Now, some might not call it out for whatever reason. There might be this opportunity where you get by, but it should be done. So a huge misconception, but I will tell you it, it's rarely ever an issue because the seller is that far in the process. The seller is looking to get the home closed. They're willing to do these small repairs because they are small in order to get to the next step. Yeah, it's never a deal killer. Rarely. What I will say, Jeb, where it gets interesting, going through the pandemic when the market was really, really hot, 
we had sellers that just didn't want to deal with it. They, mm -hmm. they didn't have to. When you got 20 offers and half of them are conventional, you don't have to deal with it. We're in a much more normal, more balanced market. I, I'm hearing far less of this bias against it, far less of listing agents when I call and follow up on a pre-approval letter of them saying, well, there's some chipping paint. We don't want to deal with this. Or, oh, we think this might be a, an issue there. And Jeff, kind of one thing that falls under that same umbrella, FHA used to require a termite clearance. It's, it's no longer any different than a conventional loan. So that shouldn't be an issue or a deciding factor also if you're in an area where wood destroying pests are an issue, which is most of the country. Some of the cold upper Midwest states don't have to deal with it, but most of the country does. It's not an issue either. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is the types of properties you can finance with FHA. So there is an approved condo list that requires these complexes when you're buying a condo to be FHA approved. And so the belief is that because a condo doesn't meet the guidelines or isn't on this approved list, that it can't be financed. And I'll let you talk about that, Josh. Uh, but there's also this idea that because a property does have peeling paint, does have health and safety issues, does have trees growing into the power lines or whatever it is that, and the seller's not willing to fix it, that's an, a property that is absolutely off the table. And that is also a myth because there's another type of loan that you can do. So Josh, why don't we take it through that? So if we have a buyer who can only go FHA, conventional is not an option. And there are some things there that we're like, that's going to get called out and it's significant and the seller is not going to deal with it. You have your standard FHA loan is a 203B. There's one called a 203K. Same exact loan program, but it allows you to finance required improvements. And because we're financing those improvements and we have a plan for making those repairs, you can actually close with a property in substandard condition that otherwise wouldn't be eligible for FHA financing. So if you're looking at a property that we say, hey, it's going to be a fixer upper, is it a cosmetic fixer? or is it a health and safety fixer? If it's a cosmetic fixer, no problem. We can still close with an FHA. You figure out when you're gonna paint carpet, put new kitchens and bathrooms, figure it out on your own time. Or if it's a health and safety issue, or just a matter of you say, hey, we're getting a great deal on this. We know the home's gonna be worth 50 or $100,000 more once all our work is done. The 203K allows you to finance those repairs. So again, whether they're health and safety or cosmetic, can't put it in a swimming pool with it, but you can certainly put in a new kitchen, you can put in a new bathroom, you can do really nice stuff to your home. And there's two types. There's a limited 203K, you can only do up to 35,000. There's a full 203K that's more complex, a little more involved, and you can go up to purchase price plus your repairs just have to stay under the FHA limits from that perspective. And they will use the after repaired value. They're not using the value of, of what you're paying for the property. They're also looking and saying, okay, cool. In current condition, it's worth this, but we're going to lend based off of what it's going to be worth once all of those repairs are done. So it gives us flexibility. Yeah. I want to stop you for a second because FHA 203Ks, there's a lot there. It's not as simple or as easy as Josh is making it sound, it can be. It, the process can be streamlined, but it is a it's more both. difficult process. And, and in fact, we could do an entire episode on 203Ks alone. And I want to ask you guys as viewers, as listeners, if you want us to do that episode, let us know in the description. Send us an email let us, letting us know that, hey, you want more information on this because it is a topic that a lot of people don't talk about. There's a lot of nuances, but ultimately a lot of benefit at the same time. So if it's something you want to hear, 
let us know. So Josh, transition that to condos and townhomes and being FHA approved. So far more often than someone wanting to buy a substandard property and needing a, a 203k loan, we get a lot of people that we know pretty early in the process, your price point is going to be a condo. In Orange County, you only qualify for $450,000. We don't have $450,000 single family homes. We know that is going to be a condo. So if the borrower only qualifies for FHA, we just have to prepare them up front in that let's look at the difference between how conventional and FHA handles a condominium. With a conventional, what we do is we gather basic documentation from the HOA, including an HOA certification that says, how much, what's the owner occupancy percentage? Are you guys, do you have sufficient budget? Basic questionnaire that your underwriter when approving your loan looks at it and goes, yep, that meets the conventional loan requirements. FHA doesn't do that. The property has to be approved ahead of time. So all of that documentation has to go in every two years to HUD and they put it on the approved list. So if we flash back 20 years, there was never a recertification for FHA. So heading into 2006, 2007, 2008, we had tons of condominium complexes that were in terrible shape financially, had deferred maintenance that were underfunded, and they were still on the FHA approved list because they were approved 15, 20, 30 years before. And so FHA finally woke up and said, hey, this is crazy. We have to make these companies or these associations recertify that they still meet our requirements. So what they did is they ripped everyone's approval. So we went from probably 70 to 80% of complexes had FHA approval to 0%. And only the ones that reapplied and went through the process, which there's time, effort, energy, and a cost to it. So only about 35 to 40% of complexes, depending on where you are in the country and the price point, are FHA approved. So... If we're only able to do FHA, we have to tell the realtor only look at FHA approved complexes, or if you're going to be making an offer in a non FHA approved complex, we've got a couple of options. We can get it approved. Usually takes about three to four weeks. There's maybe a thousand dollars of cost in there. And with that, there's no guarantee, but generally we can get an answer within a week as to whether it's approvable. And then it just takes time to work through that. You can also gather that documentation and a lender can issue a spot approval, which is basically them saying, we've reviewed all the documentation. We are certifying that this meets HUD's requirements, even though the complex is not approved. Many lenders do not do them. Again, another situation where a broker can be helpful because I've got 50 different lenders to choose from. Probably half of them will say, well, we're not doing a spot approval, but several of them will. So we have options, but it's definitely something that you need to be aware of that it's either going to limit your options as an FHA condo buyer, or it's going to increase the complexity of the negotiations of you and your realtor talking to the listing agent of what needs to be done. And I'll add to that, Josh, and say, if you're a buyer out there and you're walking through a complex and you see a, a complex that needs a lot of work, like just looks like it is in, in need of a make, I was going to say a make lift. Um, uh, what the hell am I a facelift? A facelift. There we go. Jeez. A facelift. Chances are it's not going to meet the spot approval. So it's, it's there's a balance there, a fine line, but rely on your lender and let them guide you. Josh, the last one really want to talk about here is around mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance, a lot of misconceptions when it comes to FHA because mortgage insurance is terrible. You should never get a loan with mortgage insurance or should you? Let's hear it. Well, let's look at FHA. The big complaint we get from everyone is post-2008, the FHA mortgage insurance fund was way underfunded. So the Obama administration, their solution was at that time, we'll make 
uh, mortgage insurance permanent. So the full 30 years of the loan. So any FHA loan with less than 10% down, it is a true fact that you will have mortgage insurance for the life of the loan. In a second, I'm going to explain why I don't think that is a big deal. But if you put 10% or more down, it's this, basically the same as the old rules where after 11 years, it automatically comes off. That's really a minority. Less than 5% of FHA loans are done with 10% or more down. It might be significantly less than that, but at least 95% are uh, less than 10% down. So let's look at the difference there with that. You can always go refinance from an FHA to a conventional. So let's say you're in that home and in seven years, you've paid the loan down, value's gone up three or 4% a year. Now you have 20% equity. You can refinance to a conventional loan and get rid of your mortgage insurance. You don't have to have it for the life of the loan. That does require interest rates to have cooperated. If you bought during the pandemic and you have a 3%, which we hear from people all the time on the live show, Jeb, I got a 2.875 FHA. I got to get rid of my mortgage insurance. How do I do it? Well, 2.875 plus the FHA mortgage insurance at that time was 0.85. You get a 3.75 interest rate. And until rates get below there, you're not going to refinance it. But if rates cooperate, that is an option. People that bought in 2022, 2023, and they have a six and three quarters FHA with now 0.55% mortgage insurance, they only need rates to get to the mid sixes before that would make sense. So that's always an option there. So the reason why I tell people this isn't a big deal most first time buyers, average tenure in a home now, Jeb, is up to 11, 12 years and mm -hmm. just steadily yep. increasing. So if we flash forward two or three years, it'll be 13 or 14 years. It's less than that for first time buyers. Most first time buyers are not in their home seven, eight, 10, 12 years. So you're not likely to pay mortgage insurance for 30 years. If you're buying now, we do expect that in the future, you'll have that refinance opportunity at lower rates. Some of those people with FHA loans from the middle of the pandemic with ultra low interest rates, it's quite possible they could stay in that home or keep owning that home for 30 years and have the mortgage insurance. But that blended rate combined of the low interest rate plus the mortgage insurance, they're not in a terrible situation. It's just not an optimal situation. So it's important that you have someone that can walk you through all of that. The thing that I would say, Jeb, the biggest downside to FHA loans, period. Like if we could make poof, make this go away, I would be telling almost all of my clients with 5% down or less, we're just doing FHA is split mortgage insurance. Meaning now you have the 0.55% monthly mortgage insurance or annual paid monthly mortgage insurance, but you have an upfront mortgage insurance premium of 1.75%. So if you can do both a 3% down conventional or a 3.5% down FHA, you're going to most likely going to have a higher payment with the conventional loan, but you're going to owe less on the home because what happens with the upfront mortgage insurance premium, you put 3.5% down and then most people don't have an extra 1.75% to pay out of pocket. So it's allowed to be financed back on the loan. So you really only end up with a little bit more than 1.75% equity in the home at closing. That to me is the biggest downside or drawback to FHA loan. It's more than overcome by all of the flexibilities that we talked about here with destroying some of these myths and misconceptions. No, I agree. And again, if you're not considering it, it's worth considering. You might still hate it and that's okay, but you don't know what you don't know. And putting it side by side on paper, analyzing both gives you the knowledge, the expertise, helps you become that educated home buyer that we're trying to help you become by just knowing your options and being able to ultimately make the best decision for yourself. So with that, Josh, I'll just throw it your way because it's, you see a lot of FHA. I'll just, I'll leave the, the episode at this, that FHA borrowers are often mislabeled as not as qualified. 
So take us out of the episode by kind of killing that misconception. I don't think it has anything to do with qualifications. These are different tools. There is the right tool for every job. So for you as a buyer, don't lock in on anything like saying, I only want an FHA loan. Don't eliminate anything by saying, nope, I'll look at anything but an FHA loan. Okay. Make sure your loan originator, if you're doing 10% down or less, at least throws it in a side-by-side -side comparison for you. So if you have a preconceived idea going in, you either get confirmation when you look at that and go, yep, that sucks. That's why I didn't want that. Or it's an eye opener and you look at it and you go, well, hey, wait, that's a lower monthly payment. I might want to consider that. Or, hey, I can qualify for a little bit more. Have a situation right now that the buyers were open to FHA, even though they didn't need to go that way, because if they got pushed up another ten dollars or $15,000 in price, FHA was going to be the only option because their approval would break on a conventional loan. So it gives you flexibility. It gives you options. It's a great program, not the right tool for everyone. But the only way for you to know for sure is to have that side-by-side -side comparison. So I would highly recommend it for anyone with a, a lower down payment. All right, guys, until next time, adios. Amigos. Thanks for listening to The Educated Homebuyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.